Episode 22 of Transistor for November 11th, 2012, with topics including trans journey androgyny, translation, the art of the past, learning makeup, transitions, fillers, you'll know about that, transonic, my life as a dominatrix, leg worship, mm. and transformers, hot on the heels of transonic. I'm talking about the Rogue Erection Enhancer, and the men are going to want to hear about that one. And transmissions, news from around the world. Some good, some not so good. Followed with transcriptions and a letter from John. This is Transistor. With your host, Velvet Steel. Transistor. The show about trans folks. Because you want to know. And you want to listen. You want to learn. And hopefully you'll get a little laugh. Trans journey. Androgyny. What is that? Why is that? Well, that's a little thing that always was going on in my life when I was growing up. People could never figure out whether I was a guy or a girl walking around the streets. And well, androgyny, of course, the ability to look like both sexes, maybe intentionally or not so intentionally, and coupled with the actions of the opposite sex. You know, guys and girls go through this when they're growing up. And I'm going to tell you, it's not necessarily a fun thing. And sometimes it's not a thing that you're really too conscious of. And you don't really know what's going on when you're actually living the life, when you're walking around the streets, when you're doing all these different things. And for me, I can always tell you that I know that when I was, well, growing up, androgyny, androgynous, happened to be one of the words that I used to use. Well, when I was advertising for professional domination, that was when I finally was able to take ownership of the word androgynous. But before that, you know, I was walking around and doing my thing and unbeknownst to me, looking quite a lot like a girl, acting a lot like a girl. And I know that bothered a lot of people when I was doing that. And uh, right to the point where I would, uh, well, I'd be getting cat calls from people driving by in cars. I'd be getting all kinds of things done to me when I was uh, living my life, living my happy life. And when I realized that there were things that were going on in my life that were very different, i.e. the gender transition that was to take place later on, um, I started to embrace my whole appearance and my life and my femininity and, and looking at these things. But I didn't know that there were people out there that weren't, well, they weren't that cool with that. And that uh, manifested itself in the form of, well, you know, one of the times I got a beer bottle over the head, a full beer bottle over the head. And yes, I was dressed the way that I like to dress, which happened to be a lovely dress and high heels and makeup perfectly done, everything else. And there I was walking down the street with, uh, well, a girlfriend of mine at the time. And it just so happened that she had had, well, she had her breasts done. <laughs> and they were lovely, big boobies. Anyway, I'm not going to sidetrack onto that right now, but... Uh, so there we were walking down the street and uh, doing the things that people do when you go to a bar. She had just finished picking up this guy. And unbeknownst to me, um, he started to ask these really weird questions about what it was that I was going to do to him when we finally got back to our place. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not doing anything. I'm not really interested in anything to do with you. I'm going to bed. So whatever you two get up to, that's entirely your business. But don't worry about me. Well, then suddenly I was having this really strange feeling of, oh my God, I'm seeing stars and I'm blacked out. And, and 
well, I couldn't really tell that I was blacked out, to be honest with you. But it just felt like a really weird portion of being drunk. You know, I'd been out drinking my wine and had a couple of vodkas while we were at the dance club going for a broke and dancing up a storm. Until I suddenly started to snap back into it and realized that there was something warm trickling down my face. And uh, when I actually opened my eyes and put my hands on my face, I found out that it was blood. It was blood that was running down my face. And including a little bit more when I heard my friend screaming at the top of her lungs, literally being dragged out into the middle of the street by this psycho asshole um, by her hair. And it happened to be that she was being pulled out into the street by her hair, which were extensions that we had just done that day. And, uh, well, I kicked into high gear and realizing that my face was now covered in blood. I was coming from the top of my head. I went after this motherfucker and literally uh, ended up beating the shit out of him in the middle of the street. Well, you know, there was a saying that I had heard from a woman who used to come to my fetish parties when I was full-on doing fetish parties as a full-time job, and she was also transgendered, transsexual, whatever you want to call it. And uh, one of the lines that she actually said to this guy who was a real asshole to her, and I don't know why people like to be assholes, but I guess that's kind of the theme of today's show. Um, She turned off and said to him, before she hauled off and punched him, I was a man longer than I've been a woman. And that was a line that stuck with me for a long time. And wham, she let him have it in the face. Also helped too that she was also part of the military for a good portion of her life. Bammo, she punched him. Anyway, the aggression that she had there was not unlike what I had when I was out there in the street going after this asshole who was actually dragging my friend by her hair out into the middle of the street. And uh, when I finally got on top of him, I uh, found out that he had a knife. And it's amazing what people will do when they find things like like that because there I was sitting on top of this guy with my knees on his shoulder blades holding his hands down so he couldn't stab and bite and do all the other things. Of course, which he did. He took a chunk out of my inner right thigh with his teeth. That was really interesting. But I was so hyped up on adrenaline, I couldn't feel it at all. So needless to say, I have a lovely little war wound still left over from him on the inside of my thigh as well as one on my scalp where um, pieces of glass actually now and then come out of my scalp but you know that's not the only time that I've been assaulted in regards to people referring to my androgyny and my androgynous features and the way I looked it was always a threat to people and I don't know why but um you know I always had these actions that were very feminine and yes I did look like a girl and I am a girl but what it makes me wonder why it is that people like act like that. And I guess this sort of goes on to the whole idea of bullying these days. We're hearing a lot about bullying. And, um, you know, I'm going to digress off onto a whole different subject matter here and, and move on to a little bit of a political rant here. But um, it just makes me wonder, is this something that is done through peer pressure? Like, is that like when you're young and you want to be cool and you're all standing around and you want to smoke a cigarette or you're going to do all these different things or take a drink and peer pressure is telling you to go ahead and do it? What happened to our brains? Do we not have something in our ability to think for ourselves and suddenly this is what we're doing? We're out there beating the shit out of people and doing all these other different things because of peer pressure? I don't get it. And it really, really pisses me off, you know? And, you know, the beer bottle was basically one of the situations that had happened to me. I mean, we... I mean, I've been egged, I've been chased down alleyways, I've been stabbed, yes, I've been stabbed. I've been, um, you know, chased by gangs of people getting out of cars, running up and down the streets, and all in beautiful places like Toronto, Vancouver, things where you think these progressive cities, things like that don't happen. And there I was living downtown and stuff like that was happening. And all because I was androgynous. Weird, isn't it?
yes, I know. I talk about makeup as an application all the time and how to do it, how to start off and where to go from there on the face and how to make yourself look more feminine and gorgeous and all these other different things. But yet I've never really talked about the whole idea of me learning how to do it and standing there for hours in the mirror looking at myself and wondering, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And uh, and I know a lot of other girls out there have gone through the same thing as like learning makeup because it's not really something that you can go to your parents and say, oh, guess what? I'm transsexual and I need you to show me makeup tips, mom. What are you going to do? I mean, I know I spent so many years and uh, so many hours watching my mother put on her makeup, do her hair, put it in rollers, put it in curlers, paint her nails, do all those other lovely fun things that well, really, I wanted to be doing too. But um, I had to get past the whole issue of, well, how do I even bring this up to my parents at all? And my poor mom, she passed away before really anything was brought to the forefront and brought to light in regards to this stuff. So this was something that I learned all on my own in sort of secret behind closed doors. And I'm not going to say in secret because thank God I had a good group of friends that were out there that were eager and able to help me learn makeup tips and talk to me about different things and makeup artists. And I mean, being someone who's creative I am part of that world of artist creativity um you know from makeup artists to hairdressers to estheticians to artists who paint on canvas artists who sculpt all these different things so my aesthetic's always been different and these people um really were helping me to put on makeup to learn about my face shape to learn about where I could do some contouring and shading and color application and all these different fun things because trust me in the early days of putting on makeup I remember standing there for hours in the mirror putting on really shitty makeup really really terrible makeup and stuff that you know really you don't have to go and buy expensive but you don't have to go and buy cheap either but I remember when I was putting on makeup I ended up with these patches that looked like raccoon eyes and I thought I looked so good and the first time that I went out with that um, well one of my girlfriends she was a makeup artist in Toronto too and she just looked and started laughing she says you can't go out like that you don't even have your eyes blended into the outside portions of your skin you know that's not it's, you've got your eyes and then it looks like you may as well just put a pirate patch over your face and there I was thinking oh I look so hot and I look so good I mean unbeknownst to me I didn't realize that I had done the same with my cheeks <laughs> um, you know I had these cheeks that looked like raggedy Ann cheeks you know the little red dots on your face except these little red dots were not little red dots they were big ass red dots they were about two inches in diameter about the size of our loonies on my cheeks bright pink thinking oh I look so good I look so sexy and then coupled with white face because well these are the days that punk rock was happening and it was so you know intense in the days when I was younger and that's what we were doing we were always painting our faces white first and creating a whole new palette to paint which like an artist would do and start all over and create a whole new look and uh, and then go from there I had no clue. I had no clue about putting makeup on. I do know that when I did go out and the lights were dim and of course in the nightclubs back in those days, especially in the punk rock days, everything was dark and there we are, we're looking so fabulous and so sexy and and I, I guess that my face kind of looked like a clown, but it looked cool and it looked really actually quite cool in the nightclub scene in the darkness and, you know, six o'clock in the morning rolls around when you're going hard and you're partying and the days when you're like, well, I was sneaking into the bars before I was 19 anyway. And then flick, there goes the light on, you know, I'll run like little cockroaches, run to the corners to hide because, oh my God, my makeup is running off my face. 
days and I didn't realize how shit my makeup actually looked. Well, it took me a long time to figure that out and learn how to properly contour my cheeks so I didn't have patches on my cheeks and fix my eyes so that they properly blended out and be able to use my high cheekbones and my eye, eyebrow bone, which was pretty high as well. My face is pretty structured. And uh, one of the other things that I always laughed about was my lips. I always used to paint these lips that, well, if anybody's seen old films, they've watched, well, black and white movies and Joan Crawford there. And that woman had her lips painted on like they were literally stuck on as a sticker. And uh, my lips kind of look like that. I didn't know that those lips would actually benefit me in the world of pro-domination because, you know, it's all about putting on lipstick and making those lips look really big and gorgeous and getting them happening. But uh, learning makeup was not that easy. And let me tell you, it's not as easy as everybody thinks. and changes down the road because there's always something new on the market there's always something new coming across your path and if anybody out there well I know a lot of you listening have actually explored the whole idea of cosmetic procedures and body modifications and all kinds of different things like that and I'm not just talking about cosmetic going to the doctor everybody is a modification artist to some degree I believe whether it's the food you eat the exercise you do the cosmetic procedures you enlist in or the cosmetics you actually put on your body well it's all up to you and yes I'm guilty guilty as charged and I'm out there doing all kinds of different things with myself all the time and I'm always trying out new things and checking it all out but I don't do it without my bit of research and one of the things that I've always done is I've been aiding a lovely doctor here in Vancouver with her research with their research and they're a husband and wife team and uh Dr. Carruthers and um, Dr. Jean Carruthers, as a matter of fact, and Alistair Carruthers. And these are the two doctors that actually pioneered the use of Botox as a cosmetic to use to, well, relax the facial muscles, to actually prevent fine lines and wrinkles and soften them up and diminish the looks of fine lines and wrinkles and things like that. And um, so they're always doing these different studies through their office. And uh, I was actually graciously asked to participate in their studies and have been, well, I'm a real supporter of doing different things when it comes to cosmetic stuff. I mean, because where else do they learn? They certainly aren't going to do it on a dead body all the time. I mean, and yes, they do learn with cadavers and stuff like that. But when it comes to needing and knowing and requiring living models, well, I am not adverse to helping out with that. Trust me, I went through the world of hairdressing and, uh, you know, makeup artistry and all these other different things through school. And you do need live models to work on. And there I am. And it's not like they're going to go and inject it into your face and do all these other different things without actually having some form of study done prior to injecting it in. No, they check that out first before it actually enters into the body because a lot of the substances that they're using and putting into your body are mimicking what the actual body already produces. And its ability to produce that as a younger body starts to diminish as we age. And one of the things that they asked me to be a part of was a filler study. And this was a filler study that um, actually now has been finally approved and is actually on the market. 
market. But the thing that was really good about this one was that it actually had the ability to last longer on the shelf and was much more organic and natural in nature. And um, so this was a filler study that dealt with the I'm not, not marionette knot lines, but some of those. Uh, it's more the nasolabial lines. And those are the lines that actually come from your nose, the corners of your nose. And they extend down just outside the corners of your mouth. And they get deeper as we get older with age. And um, that was one of the studies that I was entered into. And at first I was very skeptical about being into that one because, well... I like the structure of my face, as we've heard before, and I like the angular lines and the things like that that are going on it, but I didn't realize that those nasal labial lines and folds on your face actually get deeper and get deeper and get deeper, and I didn't think that mine were too bad. And um, after, I'm not going to say some convincing, but some serious thought on my end of it, I agreed to be in that study. So there I was going in for the study, and you have to go through a pre-approval process, and that basically means that they're taking pictures of you, they're looking at you, they're analyzing everything that's going on, and doing blood work, and doing testing, and all these other different things. And then when you finally do get into the study, after doing even a urinary or a urinalysis sample kind of thing, you get in there. Well, how the process works is this... You go in after being approved and you're sitting there and they put this numbing agent on your face. And I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's kind of like a Novocaine kind of thing, topical anesthetic. And uh, at first it starts to prickle. And so it's prickling away, it's prickling away, and I'm sitting there wondering what's going on and my face isn't feeling numb. And then lo and behold, my face is numb. It's numb as hell. And it's kind of an interesting feeling because you can't feel your cheeks. And uh, out come the syringes. And depending on how deep they're going, because you know what, we have musculature and on our face there that it, it's anywhere from, well, from my understanding is anywhere from point. Uh, four millimeters and thicker. Um, anyway, the topical anesthetic is not going to go down that deep into your face. And sometimes when they're sticking it in there, they're sticking that syringe. It's just a picture of syringe that's anywhere from a centimeter to two centimeters long. And they're sticking it into the hilt, right up to the hilt. And they're injecting that solution in there. Well, it stings. It stings a little bit, but it's not that bad that you can't deal with it. I mean, an eye, well, for one, I like a little bit of pain, as we all know, don't we? And uh, injecting that stuff into my face was shall we say, very interesting. So anyway, here I was getting this stuff injected into my face as part of this study. Couldn't feel the needle go in. And then once I actually got used to it, because it wasn't just one injection that I did, I believe there were three injections of the stuff. This stuff plumped up my face in those nasal labial lines so amazingly that I was sold. I was in and I was on board for that. I couldn't believe it. There was my face looking youthful, looking amazing, looking beautiful, and the angular lines on my face, even that much more popped forward. And I was looking like one of those old film stars from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Marlena Dietrich comes to mind. All those kinds of things. I loved it. Oh, my God. And how long was this going to last for? Well, it was anywhere from eight months to a year, up to two years. I remember when I had my first set of things done, and that was happened to be on my lips. That lasted me for almost two years, and that was Restylane. Well, this wasn't Restylane. This is a whole new thing that they're actually using. And um, I'm going to share with you the link to Dr. Jean Carruthers' office at the end of this show. I'll actually, you know, on the site that you can look at. But um, 
it worked. It worked wonderful. Um, during the study, what we'd have to do is go back and get little touch-up fillers here and there, and of course go through the whole process of having your face numbed up again. And in total, the whole process of getting numbed to injection, um, I would probably say was about a half an hour to 45 minutes. So it wasn't that bad of a deal out of my day. But to um, you know, aid in medical science and research and stuff like that, I'm all over it. And I would do it all over again. And if you're wondering if there was anything else outside of stinging and bruising, well, yeah, there was a bit of bruising. Um, There was a bit of swelling. But the bruising for me, I don't last long with bruising. It faded off pretty quick. But uh, I can say I would do it all over again. started to come out about different things that I was interested in and doing, um, there was not much in the way of writing and reading for stuff to learn and talk about on your own. And some of it was harmless self-learning on your own. Yep, um, there was nobody there to actually talk to you or show you the ropes or do all these other different things. And trust me, there is a book now out there called Show You the Ropes. Um, I was learning stuff on my own, and I wasn't going to take on the task of learning something that was, you know, pretty much more, well, labor-intensive or intensive period in regards to learning about the body and muscular and different things in circulation when it came to bondage and rope bondage and air restriction and things like that, and where to spank and where not to spank and where to whip and where not to whip and different, you know, organs on the inside of the body that could actually, you know, be destroyed or be damaged by percussion of some kind on the exterior portions of the body. There were parts of the body that, well, people like to worship. And I mean, I know myself, I like to worship parts of the body, and I, you can run wild with your imaginations on that one, but um, leg worship. Leg worship, pretty simple, pretty eager, pretty fun. And, you know, when I'm a person who's got legs that go all the way up to my asshole, and these legs are... 33 inches inseam, that's long. And when I've got those legs covered over with nice stockings, seam up the back stockings to be exact, even fishnet stockings, ones that are really tight, and even pantyhose that go so nice and form-fittingly over my ass, well, I know that's one of my best assets, and I'm not going to stop using that as an advertising feature, am I? Uh Uh-uh. So there I am getting pictures taken of my nice, luscious, long legs. Those 33-inch inseam legs that are so lean and strong and muscular and feel so sexy and so tight and smooth when I've got nice pantyhose pulled over top of them. And especially when they're finished off with a nice set of garters up top there and revealing a bit of skin through my nice muscular ass as well because trust me I spend a lot of time at the gym working those legs to keep them in perfect tone that I bet you're going to want to look at those legs and you're going to want to see them from the ground up you're going to want to start at my toes and look at them and feel them and run your hands up around my ankles up over the calves up up to the top up higher 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 and 
Yes, we all know what leg worship's all about when it comes to admiration and touching and fondling because when we go to the art galleries, we see sculptures and statues that you want to deal with and sometimes you just want to go over and touch. Well, that statue's not alive, but I am. And I know with a lot of my leg worship boys that that's not the final piece de resistance, is it? I like to get in there and I like to use my legs on them. I'll stand there and I'll take my legs and I'll rub them up and down the ears on both sides with my calves, with my strong muscular calves, letting them breathe in the scent of my strong legs, letting them feel those pantyhose up and down their face, over their ears, rubbing around, rubbing around while I balance artfully on the other leg and I switch it up because I've got two legs. They both need just as much attention. I'm going to take that other leg up whether I'm on my left foot or my right foot, up around those ears, across that face, up and down that chest. Ooh, if you're lucky, I'm even going to rub it across your crotch, across your bulging hard cock, because I know it's hard by now, and I know that you want me to rub my feet across there, and I know you maybe want me to step on your cock. You want me to slide my foot out of those high heels and gently crush those balls, gently step on that penis, step on that hard cock that's also dripping onto that floor as you sit there on your knees looking up at my legs, my legs that are right there in your face, And I'm going to slowly slide my hand behind your head and I'm going to push your face into my thighs real hard, real hard. Well, maybe that's just not it. Maybe I'm going to actually sit down on my lovely Victorian settee and I'm going to have you crawl over and I'm going to spread my legs wide and I'm going to have you look right up at my crotch, that nice panty-clad crotch with those lovely stockings, those lovely well, lace panties that you can just see through a little bit of. And as you slowly move your face in, thinking that you're going to get at my crotch, I'm going to hold you tight with my thighs right around your neck. And I'm not going to let you go. And I'm going to flex my thigh muscles. And I'm going to move them back and forth. Hold them so tight that you can't go anywhere. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to move because I'm going to strangle you. And I'm going to smother you with my legs. I'm going to let you worship those legs from afar. And I'm going to scissor you around that neck. I'm going to keep you real tight. I'm going to smother you with all that love and affection just with my legs. This is a lovely device. I love it. And it is a silicone device. And it's flexible. And it's interesting. And it's exciting. And how does it work, you're wondering? Well, I know all you guys out there, you like your erection. You like your heart on. You like it all to be hot and sexy. This guy comes from the Master Series. And that's where you can look for it. TheMasterSeries.com And Master is T W. What am I saying? W. <laughs> I'm excited by this myself. T H E M A S T E R dash S E R I E S dot com. And well, what this guy does is it actually has a spot for a vibrating bullet. 
Um, there is a portion that actually inserts into your butthole. And then there are two holes that actually come around. So it's kind of like, I like to call it a locking thing. Anyway, it's like a cock ring and a ball spreader, stretcher built into one with a probe up your butt to sit on your prostate. And um, once you get your cock and balls through, there's specific openings on their own, you can put in a vibrating bullet. So that's actually going to send vibrations to the cock, the balls, the tape, the sphincter, even into the G-spot. And it's a uniquely designed piece that fits tightly over the cock and the stimulator for the taint as well as the bulbous anal portion. And uh, you can even bring it up a notch by actually getting, well, bullets that vibrate in multi-different speeds and different things like that. And what I like about this thing is because once you start to get hard, it's not going to be easy for you to get out of your ass and get off your cock and balls. And I like to even attach it with a leash. Put a leash on there so that you cannot move. You can't go anywhere. And it's all fun and it's all exciting. But guess what? One little thing with this little guy is that the bullet's not included. So what? You can go get all kinds of different ones out there because there's ones that actually have different vibrations going on. And yet again, I'm going to have to tell you that you cannot use this guy with any silicone lubricant because, well, silicone lube and silicone do not work together as a device. But uh, I love seeing this on my boys. And, you know, you're crawling around, you've got this thing up your ass, and it's wrapped around your cock and your balls, and it's fun. And like I said, I get a little leash on there, too, and I attach it around there so that it's actually rubbing up against the taint of your ass. You know what the taint is, don't you? Well, it's that spot between the asshole, just behind the testicles, just behind the scrotum, hanging nice and low. And it gives a lot of stimulation there. It's exciting, it's sexy, and guess what? It's reasonably priced. Sixty nine ninety five is what we've got it for at Sweet Adult Boutique. And like I said, I'm there Thursday through Saturday if you want to come check it out. And I can certainly talk to you about that one there. The Rogue Erection Enhancer. Look it up. Because once you get one, guys, you're probably going to love it. At least the boys that I know will. from around the world some good some not so good you know it's stuff that I want to share with you and stuff that I want to read with you you know I've got three stories today with you the first one is a Brazil trans woman brutally murdered and uh, it seems that there's a lot of stuff going on around the world these days in regards to trans folks getting murdered and brutally hurt and all these other different things and Do we have it good here in Canada? Yeah, I think we do. So, a trans woman became the latest victim in a spate of trans murders in the state of Sao Paulo, Brazil. And this is a story that comes to us by Dan Litauer. A 20-year-old trans woman was murdered in the early hours of Sunday, September the 16th, in the city of Valpuranga, state of Sao Paulo, Brazil. The body was found in a dumpster near a rural region of the city. The victim's genitals and one ear were found to have been cut off. The Brazilian military police who are investigating the case suspect that the trans woman who was a sex worker was possibly taken to the remote location and murdered by a client. The police still have no clues as to who to identify the murderer was or is. The victim was said to be a resident of the town of Tenabi in the state of Sao Paulo, and her funeral service was held on September the 17th, which was a Monday. 
Crimes against trans people shocked the state of Sao Paulo. Last month, a 23-year-old trans woman was brutally murdered in the city center of Clementine. Two people were arrested in connection with that murder. And in August, four trans women were shot in the city of Sao Jose do Rio Puerto, Sao Paulo State. Two people died from their wounds while the other two were taken for intensive care into local hospitals. Two suspects have been arrested in connection with the shooting and one of them an ex-police officer. Wow, goes to show you that it happens on all levels, doesn't it? Brazil's Grupo Gay de Bahia GGB documented 266 murders of LGBT people in Brazil last year, six times more than in 2010. And according to Professor Luiz Mott, an anthropologist at the Federal University of Bahia and founder of the GGB, the underreporting of these crimes is striking, indicating that number of rep- the number represents just the tip of the iceberg of cruelty and blood. Yeah, it does. Since the federal government refuses to build a database of hate crimes against LGBT people, we base this report on newspaper and online news, which is certainly far from covering all of these claims. The report claims Brazil has the highest rate of LGBT people murders in the world. In the U.S., with a population more than twice of Brazil's, had nine cases of transgender murders in 2011. In Brazil, 98 trans people were reported as murdered. Um, The report also suggests that the risk of a gay man being murdered in Brazil is 800% higher than in the U.S. The GGB announced that every 33 hours, a Brazilian LGBT person was brutally murdered in 2011 as a victim of hate crime. What is that saying? And really, people, maybe you want to research where you go for travel. I mean, I have to say, I mean, Brazil has one of the highest um, rates as well of shemale porn, just so you know. It's rampant. It's all over the place down there. And there's a lot of cosmetic procedures being done in Brazil, too. So, But uh, I like to pick and choose where I travel. And, um, you know, that, that's not a place that I want to go right now. A transgender support group mourns a homicide victim. This is a story that's close to my heart because this is someone that I used to know who used to come into my hair salon here in Vancouver. The Vancouver support group for the transgender community is mourning the loss of one of their members after she was stabbed to death on Saturday. Police identified the victim of New Westminster's first homicide of the year as 26-year-old January Marie Lapose who legally changed her name from John Carlo Embo Lapuz in 2008. The stabbing death happened in the 500 block of 3rd Avenue at about 10 p.m. on Saturday, and Lapuz died later in hospital. Police said an Asian man around 5 feet 5 inches tall was seen running from the scene. Alex Sanga, founder of Share Vancouver, a support group for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender South Asians, said the community is shocked and saddened by her death. She was very, very young and a really bright light and shining star, Sanga said. Everyone is very, very sad and shocked. The way she died was very sad. Sanga said Lapuz, who became social coordinator of Share Vancouver in 2009, faced a lot of challenges as a transgender woman. She had a lot of inner turmoil as a woman who was transgender and living in poverty with limited support, social support as an immigrant, Sanga said. We're already very at risk in the community. A lot of people stigmatize transgender people, and I just think it's horrible. It's a huge loss. It certainly is. Despite these challenges, Sanga said she's, she excelled as social coordinator of the group. Um, this is really hard for me to read because she was really seriously a bright light and really, really lovely. And I was really so- shocked to hear this. She was so natural with people. Yes, she was. Such a great communicator, communication skills. 
She was host of all of our events, did fundraising. She was a great singer as well. She was good in public and a public speaker, Sangha said. Sangha said, although he does not know whether Lapuza's sexuality was linked to her murder, there have also been other cases of violence against transgender people in the community. People ask me, why do you need a group like this? This is why we founded this group to begin with, to provide support and encouragement and help. I would think it's a health issue. We have people who are being bullied to death and committing suicide. There we go again. Senga said there needs to be more safety for the transgender community. There's violence against women, period. If you're different, even you're more vulnerable. I think it's responsibility of the community and socially and society to provide safety for everyone because a lot can a lot of this can be prevented, he said. And he's absolutely right. British expat in Turkey murders Russian trans wife. Hmm, gets more grim, doesn't it? Former Phones for You sales boss Chris Collier jailed for 24 years for killing his wife, Julia. And this is brought to us by Tris Reed Smith. 40-year-old British man has been jailed by a Turkish court after being found guilty of murdering his Russian transgendered wife. Chris Collier knocked 35-year-old Julia unconscious with a heavy object, then smothered her to death, reports British communicator newspaper at the Metro. It all happened at their apartment in Kusadisi on Tur- in Turkey's Aegean coast, which is popular with foreign tourists. Collier, who used to be employed by the Phones for You cell phone sales company in the UK, he was one of the first salesmen of, and founder, James Caldwell, hired and became the prominent figure in the company, which was sold for $1.46 billion in 2006. Collier moved from Staffordshire, England, to the Turkish coast in the 1990s and married his wife, Julia. An internet forum for expats in Turkey saw someone claim that he had paid for his wife and reported that she used to be a bloke. Um, he ran the state agency in Kudasi while his wife was a pianist, giving private lessons and performing at hotels and bars, including the resort's Koromar Hotel. He was arrested the day after her death on November 27, 2010. Oh, and this is only news coming to us now. He was jailed on the 6th of August through 24 years in prison, but details of the case have only just emerged. But reports available so far do not reveal his motive for the murder. Sorry, sad to say, but uh, you got to be careful. And one of the other things that I did here in Vancouver was an initiative called Beware, Be Aware. And I just want to share that with you, and I think that applies to everybody. ever feared for my security seeing fetish clients? Um, no, I never have. Um, and I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that I've always been strong and loud and proud and never really feared too much for my life or any, on any level or for anything. And I do know, though, when I've gone out there in the street and uh, I've always walked with my head up, always felt confident, always done different things, and um, I've always felt the same that when someone's coming to my door and I've gone through the process of 20 questions over the phone, and um, I generally get a good sense of what a person's all about, and maybe standing behind a hair chair as well for the past 20 years has also helped in my knowledge of people and what they're all about and what they do and how they react and things like that. And I'm pretty thorough 
when it comes to asking someone information on the phone as to what their specific interests are going to be. Yes, granted, people have come to the door. And in the early days when I was advertising, I was being told by a lot of advertisers out there that offer the avenues where I could advertise, whether it was on the internet or whether it was through a magazine, that they did, I didn't need to be in a transgendered section. I was fully and functionally female, and that's where I should be. But uh, we all know through, well, experience and psychological aspects that not a lot of guys think that way. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of guys in particular as well, think that, well, you used to be a guy that must make me gay. All these other bullshit things come to mind. So um, I had a lot of men, as a result of that, you know, come to my door and then decide that, well, ooh, you're really tall, you're really big, you, this is the deal and I'm not going to stick around. So I changed my advertising tactic to actually read post-operative transsexual. I'm very proud of that fact, and that was one of the things that I always put out there. So people know what they're getting before they get to the door. They know what I'm all about, and plus it also helped that I have a few pictures that were out there as well. And people could see what I look like, and that what I was presenting was me and always would be me. And there would be no hidden surprises whatsoever. So if I've ever feared for my life, no. I know that when I've had people work out of my place as well, some of those girls, they did fear for their lives, but there were some... I was there, and I always was able to help out. I'm not saying that I'm a tough bitch, but I certainly don't put up with crap. And uh, the game of 20 questions, I think people, when you're doing it, and this is just my word of advice to everybody listening out there as well, is ask the right questions. Don't be scared to ask them. Get to know what's going on out there. Get to know that people need to hear the right answers, and you need to get the right answers. You've been listening to Transistor with your host, Velvet Steele.